Hello again, this is Andy Tufano, the author of The Violence-Free Workplace by Routledge, routledge.com. If you haven't had a chance to pick up the book, I'd appreciate it if you uh, would. I think there are a lot of uh, good ideas, principles, theories, information in there that any professional that uh, is attempting to provide the safest workplace uh, environment for the organization that, rep that you represent um, it's just really good information. Okay, so this is uh, chapter three we're going to talk about today. So this will be um, episode, it'll be the fourth episode in this series of 13 episodes where I'm doing an overview of the book, going through uh, the chapter using a PowerPoint presentation that I've put together that uh, just uh, highlights some of the uh, important principles, ideas within the book. So it's not, um, it's not, uh, an exhaustive explanation or coverage of any of the chapters. It's just an overview, and I also add some additional commentary. So again, uh, do the best you can to get this information out to your uh, senior managers, the uh, the people that are most influ influential in your organization, if you would. It's, uh, it's definitely a book that uh, the security officers themselves could read, should read, but ultimately, we really need to get these ideas into the hands of the people within your organization to have the uh, power, responsibility, authority to uh, implement uh, these ideas. And again, this is about creating the safest workplaces possible. And that is uh, my passion, and that's why I wrote the book, because as I go about talking to my clients and as I survey the um, security departments, loss prevention departments, and just the people that are out there in this industry. There's a lot of really good, dedicated security and loss prevention and protective professionals out there that are uh, struggling within the various organizations, and mainly because the organizations that they represent don't wholeheartedly buy into a lot of these very basic theories, principles, ideas about providing high levels of personal protection for employees primarily and then obviously the consumers. So here we are at chapter three. The title of this chapter is the operational deployment modes and I call those the ODMs and I know that uh, some of this verbiage is a bit different for um, some of you that have been in this business for a long time. Uh, so as I go through, uh, please note some of the different changes in the words or phrases that I'm, I'm using to frame these ideas. I just think they're um, an improved way for us to understand these uh, principles. So we're going to talk about operational deployment modes. So here's the problem that's identified in Chapter 3. Organizations deploy uniform security officers using deployment modes that don't prioritize the protection of people. So again, the most important thing that we do, and I think this is where our, 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 real, our real value is, is protecting people. And a lot of the other ancillary things that um, security officers and security departments end up doing, I think it waters down and not only distracts, but I think it, it confuses people. So are the security people supposed to protect the, the employees and protect the consumers, or are they supposed to unlock and lock doors and raise and lower flags and take out the garbage? And so this is, uh, again, just a um, reminder that, uh, and I covered this in a previous chapter, about focusing the activities on the most important 
um, item which is protecting people. So on page 33, this is uh, where I'm beginning here. So if you're following along with the PowerPoint, which would be a good idea, read the chapter, follow along with the PowerPoint, and then also listen to this um, commentary audio for the chapters. And then I, I would really ask you to email me and let me know what you think. And again, if there's anything crazy, outrageous, odd, strange uh, that you hear, feel free to email me. Um, I've said this before. The only way I can get better is to uh, get some help from uh, all of you. So I'm always open to constructive criticism. Okay, so uh, organizations deploy uniform security officers using deployment modes that don't prioritize the protection of people. To prevent and respond to workplace violence, organizations must use a deployment model that focuses on protecting employees and consumers and supports the business functions that facilitate the sale or delivery of their products or services. There's a direct line between sales and safety. Consumers will not frequent an organization if they believe it's unsafe to do so, no matter the price or quality of the product or service. The bottom line is, is that uh, consumers have choices. Page 34, and I list a couple of deployment modes. You may have other ones, or you may actually frame these differently than I do, but I cover observe and report. I call that the OR, or O-A-R, observe and report. Forced compliance, for short for me, FC. And then the one I, I propose and recommend, serve, advise, protect, and I call it the SAP mode. On page 36, uh, the question I pose is, are we adversaries or are we advisors? And if you are perceived as an adversary, um, even by employees, by consumers, but particularly by difficult people, it's going to make your um, job at protecting people much more difficult. Involving private security as enforced compliance activity naturally creates adversarial relationships with employees and to a lesser degree with the consumers. When employees perceive security officers as partners, not adversaries, they're more likely to become willing participants and support the organization's community safety mission, including being more likely to share information with security personnel. And information truly is uh, the greatest commodity that you have in regards to proactively um, intervening in a lot of these um, low-level interpersonal conflicts prior to them escalating. Involving security officers in force compliance activities creates the impression that the main interest is catching employees doing something wrong rather than supporting and protecting them. Page 37 Unintended consequences, often senior corporate managers assign their security department forced compliance duties without fully understanding the unintended consequences of involving them in those activities. We're not proposing that organizations abdicate all enforcement activities. Under the right circumstances, forced compliance is an important and necessary operational task. However, when security officers become involved in forced compliance or quasi-enforcement activities, there's a much greater chance that these interactions will escalate conflict and not minimize or reduce them. Serve, advise, protect, page 38. To prevent and respond to workplace violence and protect people, uniformed security officers should be deployed using the serve, advise, and protect or SAP mode. The SAP operational deployment mode Keep security officers focused on activities that prioritize the protection of people, reputations, and an organization's ability to serve its consumers and financially compete in their unique market. Unlike the other modes, the SAP accounts for the natural limitations of all personnel, including the security officers. 
and it maximizes the collective synergy of every expert stakeholder to minimize interpersonal, interpersonal conflict and reduce the possibility that conflict will escalate to violence. Page 39, serve. A key success, a key to success is a competitive free market environment. A key to success in a competitive free market is meeting the needs and expectations of the people who purchase your products and services or use them. Security officers play an important role in supporting their organizations by maintaining a safe place for their employees to work and their consumers to engage in commerce. Professional security officers are often the first employees that consumers see and interact with when they visit an organization. In short, when security officers continually find ways to serve its employees and enhance the customer service, they're operating in service mode. Next is advisement on page 40. When security officers interact with consumers and employees and identify potential interpersonal violations of an organization's code of conduct or law that could harm others, they operate in advisement mode. When officers observe behaviors that could harm others, they contact the individual and they advise them of the violation and request that they change their behavior. If an individual uh, offers verbal resistance, a security officer uses collaborative communication such as active listening, dialoguing, responding, accommodating, compromising, and negotiating to influence the individual's behavior and keep it from escalating. The key here is that you have to have an, uh, a you need to post whatever the preferred and required behavior is or the, or the code of conduct for all people that frequent your organization, your business. Uh, the key here is that people should know. Now, I know there's some basic assumptions about the way that people should act. And although um, I imagine the majority of people will adhere and understand those without having a sign that posts particular behavior, but it's the same reason if you go to a mall, you go to a public pool, almost always is a sign that describes the behavior that is acceptable and typically the consequences for failing to behave in a certain manner. And many organizations could certainly improve this uh, area, whether it's uh, upgraded signage or just making sure that people understand uh, what, is ex what behavior is accepted and what is not, and then the consequences for it. And then uh, lastly, who is uh, in charge of um, gaining compliance for that, for that behavior or uh, even enforcing that behavior? Next is protection, and this is our key, um, a key theme throughout the book. We argue that professional security officers are morally and ethically obligated, or they should be, as a condition of employment or as a condition of continued employment to physically protect employees, consumers, visitors, or others from unarmed physical assaults and safety hazards. Now for some, this may be a controversial position, and this is in due in large part to the culture of low expectations that's rampant in many organizations, and this may be another one of those paradigm shifts. Asking, requiring, demanding that security personnel protect the individuals that frequent an organization, I think is, a, is a, um, an important component of safe and violence-free workplaces. If security officers are just there to report that people are being injured or assaulted and wait for others to respond to help, it's, it's, it, people will be seriously injured and potentially even killed during that time of waiting. 
So job number one, we argue on page 41, is protection, perhaps the most important benefit of deploying security officers using this SAP operational mode, is providing physical protection for employees and consumers. If an individual's behavior escalates to direct aggressiveness and they refuse to correct their unsafe behavior, security officers should be required to intervene to keep potentially harmful behavior from escalating to violence. As behavior escalates, communication solutions become less appropriate or inappropriate, and security officers may need to use protective tactics and tools to de-escalate an individual's unsafe behavior. However, once an individual's behavior creates active physical harm, security officers are authorized and required to physically intervene to stop the individual from harming others. Now, the only exception would be if the um, individual subject is armed. And in most cases, those of you that are listening, and in most cases, most organizations don't um, post, employ armed security officers. So obviously, there are limitations if a security officer is not armed with a firearm to deal with violent attacks that that the subject may be using, for instance, a knife, an edged weapon, or a firearm. So that is obviously they're going to need to have used different tactics and then call on um, the law enforcement, have a law enforcement response. But the key here, a couple of keys here, but one of those is, is is that the officers need to become experts at talking to people and de escalating interpersonal tension. And as a communication professor and in my experience with training and teaching security officers and teaching um, college students, most people are not experts at de-escalating interpersonal tension. And uh, certainly organizations should spend a lot more time in insisting that the security officers are well-trained and uh, they have ongoing and continuous training in the area of verbal tactics, communication skills, and learning how to communicate with people who are um, maybe uh, irrational or emotionally unstable. Stay in your lane. A key reason that the SAP deployment mode is effective is because it synthesizes each of the employee's unique power, authority, training, and expertise, not just the security officers, to maximize their collective efforts to prevent and respond to workplace violence. Each expert operates within their assigned lane. So staying in your lane is um, extremely important because ultimately you want to use the collective power of of all the experts. And when it comes to security officers, oftentimes uh, they're not given the authority in a sense or high levels of authority to make some of these decisions, especially about um, people who actually need to leave. So oftentimes security officers interact with very difficult people and the es- the um, behavior escalates, and then they have to wait for someone else to come to um, help resolve and or, and again, especially asking someone to leave the premises. So processing workplace conflict does involve interacting with many different conflicted scenarios, various violator relationships, complicated interpersonal dynamics, and numerous organizational safety violations. Moreover, some types of conflict are better resolved by internal stakeholders and managers, whereas others are, are better dealt with by an external uh, stakeholder. Many interpersonal problems are easily resolved by involving the right employee with the right authority and expertise who can create the necessary motivations. I mean, ultimately, we do the best we can to help people to decide, and it's in their best interest, to de-escalate their behavior and cooperate with the security personnel. Okay, so uh, 
we're on page 42 now. Conflict resolution misalignment. When the wrong employee is involved without the requisite authority operating outside of their lane, they're unable to create the necessary motivations for voluntary behavior change and they exacerbate the interaction. Two most common conflict process failures occur when security personnel try to resolve highly volatile conflicts such as armed, armed violence by themselves instead of really calling the experts, which are the law enforcement officers, or conversely when security personnel call law enforcement officers to help them manage conflict that they could have easily managed themselves. Similarly, conflict process misalignments waste the time and energy and resources of other busy experts such as the corporate administrators, senior managers, and even sometimes the police. It also decre decreases personal and organizational safety. Page 42, we'll talk about the advisory mode. Officers operate in the advisory mode when they interact with behaviors that violate the organization's code of conduct but, ha but haven't yet escalated to harm. Passive-aggressive behaviors are the most common reason for workplace conflict and have, and have led to the potential and lead to the potential to disrupt business operations. To de-escalate passive-aggressive behaviors, security officers need to be effective communicators. Protective mode on page 43. When processing directly aggressive or violent behaviors that involve the potential for immediate or active physical harm, security officers operate in protective mode. To protect people, security officers will need to use protective tactics, tools to stop aggressive and violent behaviors. Now, security officers are not um, not only not trained in uh, physical tactics, verbal tactics, and they don't carry protective gear, they really have very limited influence or the ability to to stop a very aggressive or violent individual. So recommendations for this chapter, chapter three. I have five recommendations. One, assign non-security corporate managers to force compliance activities. So do the best you can not to have security officers that have very, very limited authority um, to assign them to these force compliance activities. Secondly, clearly, clearly articulate each stakeholder's role and responsibility for managing and resolving workplace conflict. Third, implement an SAP operational mode, deployment mode. Four, maximize conflict resolution efficiency by establishing a conflict resolution matrix for every stakeholder. That way each stakeholder knows their, uh, what their limits are within that, uh, that type of conflict. And lastly, require security officers to intervene to keep conflict from escalating. Okay, so that is an overview of Chapter 3. And again, if you have any uh, concerns, questions about it, uh, please uh, email me. And uh, I'll look forward, to, uh, um, look forward to talking to some of you about some of these ideas. Okay, so uh, I'm going to have uh, the next um, episode will be Chapter 4. So I look forward to um, presenting that for you. And I also thank you for... Uh, listening and um, participating in this. I appreciate it.